0: You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic
1: programming. Okay,
0: Rami, good to see you.
1: Okay, good to see you, Mike. Yeah.
0: <laughs> how, how have you been?
1: Well, don't worry about that. Let's get right to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's fine. I'm fine. Okay. I'm happy. I'm er- urging to go. All
0: right, here we go. All right, so. Uh, I am going to be uh, interviewing uh, Rami today, uh, Rami Simeone, Simeone, is that how you say it?
2: Yep.
0: Rami, Rami mm-hmm. Simeon and I'm Michael Horn. I'm a former student of uh, Dr. Sebastian Mafoud at Holy Apostles College and Seminary. and I've been working with WCAP Radio for uh, the last couple of years, and I'm, I have a great privilege and, and the pleasure of talking to Rami today about um, some of his missionary activity throughout the world and um, the various communities that he has been uh, involved with. And so, Ronnie, um, this interview is very flexible for you because I know you have a million stories, and uh, <laughs> I, I am I am totally, totally open, um, and I'm sure our audience is as well, just to hear kind of anything that you would like to really share kind of about how Christ was present in, in the communities that you ministered to and how Basically and just any any lessons that you've learned throughout the time or any stories, <laughs> anecdotes you would like to share, it's very, very open uh, on the approach uh, for this interview today. Mm-hmm. So I hope uh, that our listeners are going to enjoy this. I'm sure they will. And yeah, I just I, I'll shut up and I'll, I will let you uh, share some of your well uh, you
1: interrupt and you interrupt and uh, get me going and all that because once I get going, I never stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, sure. uh, I got too many things. In fact, even when they gave the list of the countries where I was in, it's very minimal there. <laughs> it's more than that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a, I, uh, first of all, I'm an ordinary guy. And believe me, I really mean this. Whatever I say, I'm telling the truth. I'm an ordinary guy. I even wrote a poem on that one time. <laughs> I'm me without I. I'm not me without you, Mm -hmm. and I'm not me. And you is God. You is the Lord Jesus. So I'm completely, 200 percent involved with with the Lord, with with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, but I am an ordinary guy. I'm nobody special. I really, it's really true. What he did was simply to witness to people. He went out into the streets, just like Don Bosco did. And uh, he was a diocesan, by the way. He was not even a Salesian. And uh, he witnessed the people. And eventually, eventually, over the years, he got, he formed four parishes and 23,000 people. And that became Holy Cross Parish in Buffalo, New York. That's the parish where I was an altar boy, okay? So he was a real straight arrow. I mean, a real dynamic, saintly person. And no matter how much people opposed him and many uh, people who tried to stop him, nothing ever stopped him. And that was my first inspiration. I was an altar boy in that parish. Mm -hmm. He had five priests working for him at the time, working with him. He refused to start a a parochial school he said the church should only be teaching religion. I went to public school, sure. but we had three thousand in a parochial school that was from a uh, a former empty pie factory that lost its business in the depression. So he only had sisters and persons working with him who were all inspirational and all completely uh, Jesus-centered and. Uh, Well, it was like he was also a a Franciscan. He was a third order member. Mm -hmm. St. Francis, I became a member of St. Francis by the time I was 15 years old. So we had terrific influence in that parish. Mm -hmm. Of that parish, in fact, 27 boys became priests, 50 girls became nuns, and two of the assistants that he had became bishops. But that's the, that's, after a lot of progress and all that.
0: Yeah, Ronnie, real quick, just w- what was okay.
1: that uh, man's name again? Joseph Gambino. Joseph Gambino, thank you. Okay. Lanzino Joseph Gambino. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, so he had the greatest influence in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- th- then everything blossomed from that. Uh, I I was interested I had uh, my own background is that my mother was a uh, simple Italian uh, uh, hillbilly Italian and her father was a very saintly man he was a peacemaker of his village uh, my my father is of Jewish descent and his his father was a convert from from Judaism and he was uh, converted by the Benedictines of Montevergine in Italy through the influence of the Virgin Mary, and a very strong Catholic, and his brother became a monk, and that's why my name is Simeon, Shimon, Shimon, the Simons of of the uh, of the uh, Simeon of the uh, second son of Jacob. All right now, so I had this influence all the time, and so it was inspiring, and I was always being uh, encouraged. By all these people around me, and uh, so, so for instance, even when I was 12 years old, there was a, a Dr. Golden came from Boston uh, with a a trailer, uh, teaching the people that in the uh, in a park in Buffalo, and I I went there. There was nobody else there except my me, and my brother, and he gave his whole attention. He was like a real apostle, this convert from Judaism, who was a uh, become a missionary going around the country with a trailer. And uh, he, he gave us all his whole attention. He says, you, you can do whatever I'm doing. It's nothing unusual. All you would have to do is know Jesus, know your religion, and proclaim him and tell people about him because he's exciting. He's the only thing worth talking about in this whole world. Okay? That was just the beginning. And it continued from there. So when I went to for studies after grammar school, uh, I went to a Catholic school, and wow, (laughs) what an inspiration there was! Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the head of that place uh, had uh, a German who had been in Innsbruck, uh, uh, Austria, studied under the Jesuits and the the Capuchins, Mm -hmm. and came back to Buffalo. And he founded the school and he had uh, all different missionaries coming there teaching us and inspiring us it's, it's beyond our studies and among them the disciple of uh, uh, Damien of uh, Molokai in, uh, in uh, Hawaii and then uh, the Baroness Captain Huot who was from the communist uh, government who became such a Catholic. They know her now as uh, 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 Doherty, because her her second husband. She came to America and founded the uh, the different houses uh, for reaching out to black people in the communist movement in New York City. And all these people gave us terrific inspiration. They were every, he didn't restrict himself from any religious order. The Jesuits from Canisius College came over and all the different inspirational people. So, I mean, we were all fired up. I mean, I was fired up. I don't know about the others, but I was fired up. And then uh, since it was depression, I couldn't afford going to that school. And then opportunity came uh, with the uh, Capuchins who were someone had come from India into New York And he started a sixth-form school, and whoever could pass the exams could go into that school. So I was a bookworm, by the way. I learned how to read and write before I even went to kindergarten, Mm -hmm. and I was reading all kinds of books, serious books, and all that. My father directed me under the Jewish tradition that you don't learn uh, fiction; you start with the Bible. And you uh, learn only about true things, and so uh, even when the teachers didn't know things and all all that stuff, uh, I would refer to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) I started reading Britannica from an early age to find out what the true things were, and so I was reading all the time. I only uh, read biographies. I only read serious books. So my whole inspiration. Then I went to the Sixth Form School in New York. And uh, this uh, uh, priest who was from India, but he was not an Indian. He was Italian. And he had been around the world. And he uh, he said, there's no Sixth Form School in America. And in New York, he started one. And none of it was under, uh, uh, you know, certified by the government either. It was all, uh, like uh, homeschooling and uh, everything, uh, whoever passed the exams went into the school. In fact, we found out with him that some of the books we were using were too uh, under uh, standard for a sixth form school. So we were using, began to use uh, some books like history books and stuff from West Point. Wow. <laughs> so it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't follow, if you didn't pass the exam, you were out. Mm-hmm. So it was everything was was exactly according to the sixth form, a, a British system. And uh, I pa- passed. Not only passed exams, not to brag about it, but I was the head of the class of my class. And I can never stop reading. Mm-hmm. Every every book I could get, we started going with the the. Uh, the five, uh, 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 what do you call, it, classics? The five uh, foot classics of the uh, great books of the world, and whatever it was, he, he encouraged reading. We had very strong study programs, and yet everything was completely relaxed. There was there was nothing uh, like uh, stupid about it. That's what I could say. Everything was organized, but yet it was completely relaxed. We loved our teachers. Uh, <laughs> it was so relaxing that after this tough studying we were doing, we, we jumped out of the classroom windows to, to go on a hike <laughs> and, and uh, do sports and whatever like that. And any, the whole idea was anything goes as long as it's innocent.
2: Right.
1: And uh, as long as you did your studies. If you relaxed on your studies, then you were out. You couldn't pass. if couldn't you couldn't pass your exam? But I always passed the exams, and uh, the only times I was in trouble was one time when I was doing some extra reading, like reading Ivanhoe and things like the historical novels and stuff like that. Uh, he says, "Look, well, if you don't keep on the real studies, you're out." And so, and that was it. I went through all of these uh, things, passed on from one school to the other. All of them. Uh, Really high standard, and when we were teaching, uh, they were teaching the, uh, the Bible and they were teaching philosophy, there was always the big three: Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. And it was always to mystic theology, <laughs> and, and we, we were anything that was not only a, a theology, uh, no, uh, Catholic theology. We were studying of airways <laughs> We were studying anybody at all. That was of any sense. We were uh, disturbed, you know, that uh, the, uh, the Alexandrian, uh, 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 great, uh, the greatest uh, uh, library in the world was burned down by Julius Caesar. So we were studying history. We were studying ancient history. We were studying everything. We were analyzing everything and uh, doing exactly what basically Aristotle says, is that, First of all, you have to hear. You have to learn. Then you have to think. Then you have to judge. And then you have to act. There's no, none of these things can be, if you're a real human being, there's nothing else that you can uh, eliminate. If you, don't, if you don't accept your own ignorance, you can't be stupid. You've got to be ignorant. That is, you don't know and you want to learn. Stupid is different. Stupid is you got some kind of agenda where you're blocking knowledge. So but that's how we were studying. And that's what I was studying. Every book I can hand and my, get into my myths. And in the library, they wouldn't give me a card uh, when I was a boy uh, because I was underage. I got my older sister to get a card. And and if they didn't have the book, I found out where where to get the books and went to libraries and just kept reading, even when I wasn't allowed to read them. So I want to learn all the time. And I still am that way. I'm 93 years old. I'm still doing it. All right. So then I I wanted to go to India because the founder of this uh, school that I first went to in high school was from India from Agra, India. And he founded a college there, St. Peter's College. And so, uh, I, uh, he told us so many things about India. Then I'm studying geography. Geography is so fantastic. Every place that I saw, I wanted to visit. I wanted to see it. And I was very skeptical at all times uh, from my knowledge of, uh, I always did research. So. The, the books were not complete enough. I had to go to full books to learn about people, about biographies about uh, about characters and all and I was always trying to study. I was no genius. I was just an ordinary guy. I was just a guy that was anxious to learn about the world I was, I was born just uh, you know like a a, a chick out of a, of an age i didn 't know what was going on. As they say, tabula rasa. That was an empty blackboard, and I wanted it to be filled. I wanted it all to be pulled in there, and so I'd get it all in. So I was always naturally. I was also learning some hearing things that were wrong, things that were didn't make any sense. And any time a thing didn't make any sense, I had to do research in order to find out what made sense, and that goes continuously the present day and the present culture. And then I could see that cultures all change in all the different uh, decades of the world, that people are learning one thing and another and get confused and uh, pass One thing I could see too in school, that at that time they didn't pass you in any school if you didn't pass your exams. But now it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. They pass you because everybody everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody's got to be offended. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so so they pass on people that are ignorant of mm-hmm. even what they should have known in the past.
2: Sure.
1: So I could see that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I an fraternity since it didn't have, nothing depended really on money because we didn't have any. So you always had to make you, uh, get ahead without money. Well, after I uh, went through all these different studies for 12, 13, 14 years, uh, then they promoted me. I passed an exam, and I'm a professor. I don't have a single degree, no academic degrees whatsoever. I don't even have. (laughs) I don't even have a high school diploma <laughs> because they didn't give it to him. He was not certified as a s a as a sixth form school in New York. So and so I am what is it called today? A Renaissance man. <laughs> i'm a renaissance Mm man. michelangelo did all those pages and never had a a class in in painting Mm -hmm.
0: exactly no that's that's amazing to think about yeah because that's like a foreign concept for us today to think about that because what's
1: so unusual about it read the bible yeah jesus jesus was not given Mm -hmm. a key of knowledge by the pharisees Mm -hmm. you understand we're the same position right okay Mm -hmm. and if they got the key what did jesus say about that your eyes that do not see
0: Mm -hmm. exactly no i think he he chose 12 men he chose 12 apostles who weren't the brightest minds who didn't have degrees they were fishermen they were simple
1: people and some more some more by the way
0: I'm sorry. Some were, some were pretty sharp, <laughs> right? So, some were, but I mean, I mean, yeah. you look at the first four okay. that were all fishermen. I mean, you, first, look, you look, yeah, you look at a, a tax collector yeah. and these sort of things. I, I mean, mean, some of them were. Peter
1: bright, was a but he wasn't stupid, right? Peter wasn't stupid. He was a fisherman, but he wasn't stupid, right? And he was learning all the time. He learned right to the end of his life, even to the question of of de- define of disobeying Jesus. And Jesus didn't let him go, you understand? Mm -hmm. God doesn't let us go. He's got us. We're on a hook with with God. Mm -hmm. We're on a hook. He he doesn't let us go. Mm -hmm. He may throw us back a little bit till we get bigger. (laughs) But he doesn't let us go. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's the great thing. And that's the thing you have to know about witnessing. Everybody is equal. Everybody is an ordinary person but every ordinary person is special. Mm-hmm. We're all special. We're all the children of God. And so when Jesus said, he, he said, we're, I'm not here that the Jews are chosen. The whole world is chosen. You were chosen through Adam. I'm the new Adam. You're regenerated. We don't need a, uh, a physical temple anymore. We have living temples. I am the living temple. We don't need a temple anymore we don't need bricks we don't need little rules we need the ten commandments we need the the teachings of god and so that's it and we're all like that so i want to say this point here too is that when you when witnessing we have to see the whole world as our equals in the sense that we all came from god Mm -hmm. We're all the children of God. We're all equally loved by God. Not unequal. Just because someone has a vision doesn't mean they're greater than you, you know? Like, so I met Mother Teresa. And people say, oh, you met Mother Teresa. Well, oh, don't you meet Jesus, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's, he's her boss. <laughs> You've got the boss and you're worried about the, the, the scrub woman, <laughs> you know? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Mm -hmm. You see? And that's the way people are, all over the world. Even we say, well, uh, different uh, attitudes, different denominations, different cultures, that's all nonsense. That's all nonsense. Mm -hmm. We're all the children of God. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the success you can see when you go around the world. It's not that I'm a great guy going around the world. All I went was to see other people and to absorb what they had to offer me. I I was not a victim. I was the person who received from others. And what what was wrong, what was crummy, I put aside. That's how Jesus does it. You put it aside. It doesn't matter. They can't win. They can't win. It's not just that we say in the Hallel, Uh, 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 Psalms victory God is great God God is wonderful God succeeds he has to succeed he's the essential we're only existence we're not essential he's infinite we're limited so we have to see the reality And, and that's the trouble when people are wrong against God or Jesus they're wrong they're completely wrong. They're, 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 they're talking darkness. And they're talking with the eyes of men. Jesus didn't say talk with the eyes of men. He said talk with the eyes of faith. What are the eyes of faith? Those are Jesus' eyes. That's God's eyes. The eyes of God. We believe in God, not because we understand it, not because we can figure it out, not because we analyze it or get some c- clever solution of how to explain it. He's real. We are unreal. We're only here because he he allows us to be here. And this isn't our world. It's his world. Everybody's trying to prove his world and make it their world. That's complete nonsense. Complete nonsense. All right. So let me come to, uh, Sebastian says, I've talked too long, so <laughs> I, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Sure. Uh, I, I'll say something from one of my poems here. It's an ancient poem I wrote. It says, Lord, I am nothing, nothing at all, an absolute zero without you. But I am something because you make me something. But without you, again, I'm nothing. I'm thankful for my total dependence on you because that's the truth. Mm-hmm. With a wisp of your mind, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to see about everybody. Everybody's in the same place. Mm-hmm. I'm not different from anyone else. I'm the same, but I just have the enthusiasm. And everybody has enthusiasm. Not, we're not the first ones. And Christians are not the first ones either. God is. And anyone he inspires. And as uh, the se- second chapter of Romans says, we're all one with God. There's nobody who is special. Only those that obey his law. And so, I say, I, I uh, it would be interesting to people because they don't like to just hear me rant And uh, to tell you a couple of stories, (laughs) it's like, he says, uh, don't promote yourself. You don't have to promote yourself. Because I can't. I'd be lying if I promoted myself. Because I'm no different. But uh, I want to tell you about people where I gained something. And I was not a hero in any of these cases. But other people were. One is he is... I would like to say one one of them where I had people died to save me in Th- in uh, Thailand, and the other one he uh, he thought was uh, interesting. Uh, Sebastian thought was interesting was when I was a hostage of the of Muslims, and that was in Malaysia. Okay, in both cases. I was not a hero at all. I was just going with the flow. And uh, so which one do you want first?
0: I, I, I'm kind of intrigued by the one in Malaysia.
1: Yeah, everybody wants that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the news. It's yeah. in the news. Okay. <laughs> it, it happens so fast. Okay. I went uh, Actually, actually, the incident of in that was when I went to Australia. I told you i didn't have any money, so even when I was a professor, I wanted to go out to the whole world and get every everything in in my short life, whatever it would be uh, to get everything uh, fast well, after World War two Australia had a new policy called the white War, white uh, uh, white uh, policy where they wanted to, they had, uh, they showed, they knew that they had a lack of population in Australia. And they were inviting white people from all over the world who were refugees to come into Australia. And that included the British that were thrown out of India. And they didn't like the British, by the way. <laughs> but they were welcome, especially then the Eurasians, the half, half-breeds from India. Came into, into Australia. The Poles came from uh, from the death camps into Australia, and that's where I met all these people. Then the the, the missionaries from Africa came into Australia. The white uh, the European uh, missionaries and American missionaries from uh, from Africa they came into Australia. Well, all these people were flowing into Australia, and this white uh, policy, white white uh, race policy that they had. It sounds negative, but it was very open and very influential and very good. And it, 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 it developed what Australia is today. Okay, but, and here I come in, because they were looking for American professors. Mm-hmm. They didn't like the British, the <laughs> Brits. <laughs> mm-hmm. They liked Americans. And it had nothing to do, by the way, I found out by research, it had nothing to do with World War II. It had to do with something long before from the time of the uh, uh, gold mine times in California. When the gold miners, uh, after they, the gold petered out in California, they found out there was some gold in Australia and they went there and tried to create a democracy there. In fact, they had a connection with the prisoners of uh, Australia, so much so that Australians that escaped would come back to San Francisco, and that place is called Brisbane, California. (laughs) Okay, but so I met all of these people and missionaries and and all, the Dutch from Indonesia. They're all coming into Australia. And here I'm, this Yank coming in there, and guess what? Here is this uh, bird brain Me, person focused on books, Mm -hmm. academic, who who was dealing with books more than I was dealing with people. And these were all people that were involved with people. They were all people people. People that had suffered under other people. People Mm -hmm. had to learn to survive. People had to learn how to make a new life for themselves. What a fantasy that was. And not only that, I was a Yank. By accident, I'm a Yank. I come in there, and the Aussies, who loved the Yanks, who found out that the Yanks were always accomplishing everything and succeeding in it, they gave me the credit for it. They cooperated with me. They didn't cooperate with anybody else. They didn't cooperate with the Dutch. They didn't cooperate with the Italians. They didn't cooperate with uh, the, the the Brits. But when they saw a yank there, they said, oh, they were all ready to give me their efforts. I was astounded. I was an introvert. <laughs> See what I am now? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was an introvert. I absorbed all of their cultures, mm-hmm. all of the heroes. We have Sigismund the, the, from the Polish underground in, in uh, the Nazis who stifled the Nazis who was a hero they, the Jews planted a tree to him like they did to Schindler and I met this guy and this guy simple person who just didn't give in and didn't give up okay so I hear all of these stories and I says, this is what I want no no matter what they put me to, I had no abilities, no real abilities. I'm not mechanical. I'm just an intellectual. <laughs> I just work with my mind. And whatever they handled, they came to me, and they said, we're going to put you in charge. <laughs> and they did the work. Then they gave me the credit for the success. That's the actual truth. I can't give you the details because... I look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I got all the credit that I didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. So, and that's happened all my life, even today, even now. Mm-hmm. So, then uh, they. Uh, so I wanted to imitate what they did. For for instance, one of the persons I met was a missionary from China who was an American. Mm-hmm and he was tortured by the Chinese. They broke his back and tortured him because he was becoming a hero to the people. They threw him out and he came to Australia. He says, I'm not going back to <laughs> a real, his name was Blockinger. <laughs> he says, I'm not going back to America. I took a vow to work in China to my death. He says, I'm going to go back to, to uh, China. Well, he's a man that inspired me in Australia. See? And he died in Australia. He never got back, but he's there in heaven. going back to China. You know. And I wanted to go to China. I met Archbishop Polio. Archbishop Polio, this great hero who was the Bishop of Nanking in China. He wanted to go back to China. After they threw him out, they were going to kill him, but he sang on his way to to the after years of torture, he sang because now the torture was ended, and he was sang on his way to being shot, and the people pr- applauded him the Chinese people applauded him under the communists and, and said the communists were embarrassed and kicked him out okay yeah. so people who didn't give up and didn't give in
2: mm-hmm.
1: in Thailand, I met Archbishop. Michael Keon. Here he is on an elephant. (laughs) Go to meet his people on an elephant. (laughs) See? So, all of these people. So here, I went then to different places. uh, After working in Australia and meeting so many wonderful people there, I joined anything that was working good, I joined. I was with the... uh, what do you call it, the uh, Legion of Mary. And the the one who founded it, was Irish, and going from door to door to get people to come back to church and all that and to witness to them, just like we were a bunch of uh, 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 Mormons. <laughs> and uh, so I said, well, I'll go to some, I was working there and all this kind of thing. So after a number of years, I decided the whole world was ahead of me. And I went to Malaysia. Well, first I went to Singapore. That mm-hmm. was left out on the list, by the way, with, with the Chinese in Singapore. But that's another story. Mm-hmm. And, but eventually, there's so many Chinese who were working in Malaysia. So from there, I was influenced to go to Malaysia. Went to Malaysia, and I learned how to easily contact people from these missionaries. Every missionary... And everyone that came out of those countries had a black book. The black book was a list of their contacts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they shared it with anybody. Mm-hmm. They shared it with me. As I went on an airplane to, from Australia to Singapore. I saw there was a missionary in one of the seats of the Canadian. I went and sat next to him. And he says, well, how's it going? <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. And he says, where are you going? Singapore. What are you going to do there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to witness. Mm-hmm. Witness, he says. He took out his black book. He says, you go there, and you, you call, the, the, the moment you get out of the airport, say, Novena Church <laughs> to a Chinese driver. He's going to take you to Novena Church. The redemptorist fathers in Singapore. Nice. <laughs> you see? So it was it was a breeze. Mm-hmm. The Lord was leading me everywhere. He was giving me directions, he was giving me a map.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: From Singapore and everything that happened there. I almost got killed by the way. There. Someone thought I was an agent for the Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, so things began to happen so I began to lose my fears I had no more fears especially this incident went to Malaysia the Chinese there he says oh the people there's there's, uh, missions down in southern Malaysia with the rubber workers and a lot of them are Chinese they're also from India and there's a mission there (laughs) I know I go to Penang, that's on the list, Penang, mm-hmm. and the bishop there is Bishop Chan. And I says, Hi, Charlie. <laughs> 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 he laughed. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, you were brothers from the instant you met a person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I go to Penang. Penang, he says, There's St. Michael's Mission there. Went to St. Michael's Mission where the ones who were running it were Franciscans from Kerala, Kerala, Southern India. And that's where St. Thomas the Apostle converted them. Wow. In fact, people would think they were converts, these <laughs> priests down there and these Indians there. And they says, look, we were Catholics when your people were hanging from, from trees. <laughs> we're monkeys on the trees because you believe in evolution <laughs> he says we don't believe in evolution uh-huh. we came from God uh-huh. and I went down there I went to this mission St. Michael's mission and good name for a Jew
2: <laughs>
1: and Michael they had the, the leader of the angels down there and so I went there and they. this is the whole point Everybody wherever I went welcomed me. You know, it's not like being a tourist. they are looking for your money and you know, you got accommodations on. You don't, need, you don't need money. You don't need an uh, 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 agent or anything at all. Just have God. He sends you. Jesus said, go. When he said go, he didn't give you uh, a passport. <laughs> God doesn't give you a passport. You got the passport. He's, he got his permission to go. And so, and I heard missionaries say things like this. says, if you, if you are working for God, whose permission do you need?
0: Mm-hmm. Amen.
1: You don't need anybody's permission, but God and your conscience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. He says, go. And you go. Mm-hmm. And what do you do when you go? You make contact. What are you making contact with? A human being to another human being. What's so difficult? (laughs) What's so difficult? And when you make, here's the important thing though, you got to watch out for your own culture. You're not there to tell them who you are. You're going to learn who they are. They're already there. They're at home. You're not at home. That's the whole secret of good witnessing. You are there to connect to them, but you have to make a connection first. And the connection is, they don't know who you are and they're curious. Ah, that's their weakness. They want to know who you are because you're a stranger. Right. They, But they're not strangers to themselves. Mm-hmm. They're a stranger to you. So you have to work out. So do exactly what Jesus did. What did Jesus do every time he went to work a miracle? He didn't tell him who's he. He says, I'm coming to you now to Jerusalem because I am the son of God. You kneel down and obey. No. He came there as the son of man. An ordinary guy. He was God's prophet. He was the son of God, but he didn't expose it. He was he was unidentified in his humanity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Unidentified. He came as the Son of Man. So he comes there. He comes there and he sees a man crippled, 38 years trying to get a healing. He reaches out to that man, to the circumstance, not to himself. The circumstance. Oh, you're crippled. How unfortunate. How unfortunate. Did he, was his agenda to go and preach in the temple? His agenda was to just meet people. And he met them. What is happening? 38 years, I've got nobody to put me in the pool. Get up and walk. See? Do... Than the action, you do what you can do, and that person is grateful. That person responds. If they don't respond, God bless them. Let them go their own way. Don't don't worry about it. Don't be offended. They're only doing their thing. You're leaving them free. Then let them be free. Doesn't God leave us free will?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We can go to the, to Hades if we want to. He leaves us with our free will. But it doesn't mean he doesn't try to connect. He keeps connecting. So that is what happened. So at this mission, this wonderful mission that these these, uh, Franciscans developed, there was a fence. And on top of the fence was barbed wire. Ah, if you're smart enough, you know something is wrong. <laughs> something's going on here, so I went there and he says, he says, "Welcome, welcome, you can work with us. you can help us <laughs> help what what do you want me to help you with? <laughs> there's barbed wire up there. <laughs> is this a jail? You see and he says, "Well, look, don't worry about it <laughs> that's what they always tell you when there's trouble, right Don't worry about it." <laughs> Human nature, right? Right. The con starts. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. So, what did they have you do there?
1: Teach. And teach. I was a witness for the Lord. They wanted, They need Every mission needs teachers. Mm-hmm. Every person. I'm in the right right spot. Right. I teach. Mm-hmm. I'm a witness and I teach.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So they don't have books. I got book in my head. <laughs> I got a book in my, a feeling in my heart. Mm -hmm. I want to give myself to people, and that's it's called love, right? Right. If you want to give yourself to them, remember there's always people around when you want to give to receive, Mm -hmm. and that's on the low level and the high level. Mm -hmm. Everybody's a receiver. Not everybody's a giver. Mm -hmm. The Jesus was the giver. The Pharisees only received or people that didn't show gratitude received from him, but they didn't give back. And most Catholics and most Christians, sad to say, because remember we're all a remnant. The ones who love God and who do do the job are remnants. And The Bible says it. And Jesus was a remnant. Mary Magdalene was a remnant the Virgin Mary was a remnant. They were the rejected. So don't be afraid of being rejected because you're on the right side (laughs) as long as you're not rejected by God. Right. So then, so he says, but don't worry, don't worry. He says, because people can come in here or thieves or whatever like that, you know? And so we have to be careful about the children and all that and protect them. So we have the wire and all that to keep them out. But uh, we lock it at night. We lock it at night. And I've got a gun under my pillow, in case they they come by. Oh, no, the first was a dog. We got dogs out here at night. So don't come out, whatever you are. Don't come out at night because they don't know you. <laughs> so, but they 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 believe they they listen to us. So, but the dogs are locked up. And they come out at night, they roam around. So not, there's no, nothing going on. So we'll be warned. Besides that, I have a gun under my pillow. And if the dogs bark, I, I get my gun and come out. And he says, But I said, Where do I stay? Well, this is a schoolroom, by the way, nothing like America, but huts. <laughs> he says, But block the door at night. And, I, <laughs> and, and I, I give you a switchblade. <laughs>
2: In case they get through.
1: (laughs) So I said, Something's wrong here. (laughs) Well, what happened? After being there a while, the Muslims were active. Mm -hmm. It's like, say, you know what, don't send me, the song says, Don't send me to Africa where the neighbors (laughs) are, or be the war drums. Yeah. And I learned about the culture around. There were Muslims. And Muslims, they sound friendly. They may sound inactive, but that's right. I also read the Quran, You better read it. Mm-hmm. And know who Allah is and who the Muslims are. Okay? But, so, found out that in the town... Uh, Thing happened in the, in the town of Pedang, and a Chinese merchant was beaten by the Muslim people in the middle of the, of the square. and The soldiers, the, Muslim, the, the Malaysian soldiers who were of police who were Muslim, stood by. Sounds like yesterday's news, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. They beat this man almost to death and popped his eyes out, okay? Then another incident occurred while I was there. American tourists who went on motorcycles, motorcycle or scooter or whatever, and took photographs of Muslim women working in the fields. Ah, they don't know the cultures. They stole their souls, right? Mm -hmm. Take my picture, you you take my soul. Mm -hmm. You're going to do something with that picture. Mm -hmm. They had no permission to do it, right? But just going around, taking the scenery. They're going to show their friends when they go back home. They were knocked off that motorcycle and almost killed. Okay? So... There's why I began to understand why there was was a fence and and the razor, the razor uh, stuff there on on the fence. So one peaceful day when the gates were open, when the dogs were locked up, when the gun was under his pillow, 15 Muslims came into the yard. They heard there was a yank there. and their eyes were sparkling because they have their own weaknesses, greed. They come with those swords. You know, a crease, a crease is a a curved sword, a a sword that's like a a wiggly line. Okay? And there, you know, right? As soon as there, no words are spoken, they just surround you. Myself and the head of that place. And you know with their steely eyes and they're looking at you and they go, you go. You don't move. You do something in your pants, but you don't move. And when they say that, you follow that circle of men or your head is going to go off. Mm -hmm. And people say funny things, strange things when you come back. They say, how long were you a hostage? (laughs) That's, That's the culture here. How long were you a hostage? Two years, three years, four years? Here, polio was two years. The other guy was four years that I met. It doesn't matter. Ten seconds is all you need. You know you are helpless. That's the feeling you get. And I say, I didn't even know what prayer I said. I don't know if I said a Hail Mary or God help me. I don't know what I said. All I knew was I'm helpless. I'm in the hands of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. They don't drag you away. You go willingly, believe me. They don't have to shackle you. You go to where their camp is. And you can see the the game already they're playing. They're going to hold us for hostage. They're going to hold us for ransom. That's a weakness on their part. That's where I learned you're strong. That's where the martyrs were strong. I was no martyr, but that's where the martyrs are strong. The judge was weak when he judged those men to death when he put Lawrence on the fire. Because they didn't know what else to do. They couldn't control their minds. So they're going to burn their bodies. And what does Jesus say? Don't worry about what the man does to your body. Know what God who controls your life and your soul. See? And so in the same sense, that as soon as I realized they were weak, I became strong and i knew this and he said you want us for ransom the church doesn't give ransom <laughs> mm-hmm. no government is going to release me because i'm an american they don't give a hang mm-hmm. yeah it's me and you mm-hmm. me and god and you and the devil that's what it is mm-hmm. so but you don't feel that heroic I'm a victim. I'm a victim. But they're going to feed me because they don't want me to die. Right. They, never, they never shackled me. There's no place to go. There's no place to go. I can't escape. We just wait. They're waiting for the ransom. I'm waiting for them to kill me. But that's the same thing that Archbishop Colio had told me one time long ago. He says he didn't like pain when he was captured by the communists in Nanking, China. The previous bishop was put on a cross and hot lead poured down his throat. This is what this young guy saw. And the Pope told him, You can't leave China, those are your people. And so he says, he says, but he says, of all the pain he had, and this is his own testimony. Of all the pain he had in two years being in the prison in the prisons and tortured by the communists, he's found this. No pain was greater than the people who were suffering, dying from cancer. And when the pain got greater, you went unconscious. And you and several times he went to coma. You don't even know what's happening. He says he was not brave. So finally, after two years of torture, one thing after another, they they destroyed his name. They said he was a he was a scoundrel. They said he was uh, preying on the uh, Chinese people that they were taking money from them and things like that. None of it true. It Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They say whatever they want to say. You can't contradict them. But finally, they had, had enough with him. After two years, he didn't give in. They're marching him to the wall to shoot him. And he's happy, he begins to sing. And the people applaud him. And they, they're all, the communist effort is over with. So they throw him out at Hong Kong with only the prison uniform he was wearing. Say, he goes to Italy, and the Pope makes him Archbishop of uh, a city there in uh, Sor- Sorrento, in Italy. And he wants to go back to China. <laughs> <laughs> and when he comes back, the people that knew him there says, "Gee, it's too bad you were released because we had a whole program of getting funds for you, funds for the order."
2: <laughs>
1: and you were the hero <laughs> they were selling them they were making money on them
2: mm-hmm.
1: See? and that's true even uh, Mike that's true even with Christians and I mentioned you before people even Christians and churches sell Jesus mm-hmm. you mustn't sell them
2: mm-hmm.
1: it doesn't matter and I had said something that sounded crazy I said I don't care if I can't sell a book
2: mm-hmm.
1: as long as one person reads it and, and I really mean it. Mm-hmm. And it's converted by it. And I already have people who have not even read it. I just open a passage to them. And they say, oh, that's right. That's true. That's true. And they go back to church. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. Right. I didn't do it. I can't take the credit. It's full, false to take the credit. God does it. So
2: sure.
1: so all these people then... What happened one day, not too long after, I'm almost embarrassed to say how short a time it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was less than two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. All of a sudden, one day, they're surrounded by 100 men with machetes. The rubber workers heard about it. They searched. They searched and found out where the camp was. And guess what? Not a drop of blood was shed. 15 men against 100. They dropped their swords and disappeared. No bloodshed. No ransom. And then I go back and they says, you're a hero. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the hero. The 100 guys that came to get me were the heroes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Who were those hundred
1: people? I don't know who they are. They're just rubber workers, they disappear, they just praise God and disappear. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You no, know, they're part of the they were respectful of us because we were teaching their children. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. And I had already gone another incident there before that. I had gone to their mat, their boss, who lived in a big such a big palace. Mm-hmm that you could put an elephant through the dining room. <laughs> and he was annoyed at me because I didn't take my shoes off when I went to see him.
2: <laughs> Big deal. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, was, I was a filthy American who was gonna walk on his carpets with dirty shoes. <laughs> and I, wore, I told him, I says, you know, these people are not slaves. They're not slaves. He said, Oh, I pay them a living wage. They're giving good wage. I'm just giving you a word. I'm not forcing you. There's nothing I can do. I'm just telling you that. And I said one thing to him. He says, I don't know how you respect them. By the way, the guy was an Oxford graduate, (laughs) this Muslim. And he you know, they put a degree and a title behind their name, and they're supposed to be important. And they're rich. They're making money on these people doing slave labor on the rubber plantations. And I says, I don't think there's going to be a tear shed for you, whatever happens. In fact, I didn't tell them there'll be a lot of rejoicing. <laughs> <laughs> you see okay but that's it he didn't listen to me but the workers found out that I had done that they had faced this guy that they were afraid to face mm-hmm. I was a yank he couldn't do anything to me right I was no hero there was nothing he could do to me mm-hmm. so that, that's it see but those are the heroes mm-hmm. the heroes the real heroes are unnamed only God knows their name. They're in the Book of Life. Their book is there. I'll meet them someday. I won't tell you either. Sorry, it's getting too long.
0: But. Okay. Yeah. No problem. We're coming up on an hour here, like you just mentioned. Oh. I think it would be a good, uh, one? a good concluding segment if you if you would like to just to kind of. I, I guess I'm a very practical person, so when I think about pe- the people that will watch this, just yeah, right. Obviously, you. Um, realize the power of Jesus working through your words, through your actions and the communities that you're in. And so for, for for people that are young, people that are old, people that are striving to be witnesses, that are striving to be evangelists, missionaries in the world today, maybe just what are like some short pieces of advice? I know you've talked about some of them already, but if you just want to kind of like summarize a couple of things that you would say, this is what I've learned in, in my 93 years so far of like, this is what it means to be a missionary.
1: And I'm still, le- I'm still learning. Sure. We've got strictly speaking in, in being a missionary to reach out. I, I, I almost hate the word missionary because it sounds like too, uh, not pedantic, but uh, too entitled.
2: Mm-hmm. We're
1: yeah. just people reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. You know i will i I prefer the word simply witnessing, but mm-hmm. that sounds almost like you 're you a, a doorway or something <laughs> yeah but but you 're just a reach out human being mm-hmm. that 's all you really are i 'll give you an example here in Oshkosh, there on um, uh saturdays there 's a par- a Catholic parish and a one in fact that I go to and uh, there's a Protestant one right across from them they both say they're witnessing they want to wit- be there but the Catholic one makes donuts and cupcakes and they try to give out cupcakes and while they give out a cupcake they say oh we got rosaries here if you want one <laughs> you know and uh, here we have a holy picture and all that and, uh, and you could sign in if you what church you go to and stuff like that okay that's completely that's not witnessing. Mm-hmm. The Protestant ones across the way, they got some kind of a way to ask a question and people come and answer the question and then they can talk to them. That isn't the right way either. You don't need any of this stuff. You just need yourself. When Jesus said go, he didn't tell them how to supply things or how to what kind of program you had to have. He just said, do it my way. But mm-hmm. you saw me do, you do it. What did he do? He listened. He observed what, what people were doing. You observe. And no matter what, I go in the park every day on my bicycle, my do my exercise, and I know I'm gonna meet somebody. I know it. If there's anybody there, I'm gonna meet them. And there's people there. Who don't give a hang? Mm-hmm. So what? You can't reach the people who don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. See? So it's nothing against you. I put I put a, a witness cross on. Mm-hmm. I put they know I'm a, a Christian. <laughs> I've got my witness cross, a rosary around my neck, or some, mm-hmm. or some uh, picture or whatever. And I got my Bible down in my basket. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And I see a guy. Example, example. Just yesterday, there's going to be a race, a, a motorboat race, a small motorboat race. So these people are coming in on Lake Winnebago. I see a guy standing there with a camera on the side, big 600 millimeter lens. So I look at him and I said, Ah, God bless you. He says, Yeah, and he says. I see you got a camera there. See, you focus on what they're doing. There's no agenda. Mm-hmm. Whatever the circumstances, he's going to take a picture of guys in a race. And I know right away from experience the only pictures that he wants to get is a crash. <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: He doesn't want to take a picture of a guy sitting on a thing. They can do a selfie for that. Right. He's not going to sell a picture like that. And sure enough, after five minutes of that restarted, one guy flipped over, boom, there he is with the camera. Mm-hmm. You see, okay. So I'm just, started. he says, oh, hey, I had a camera like that. I took pictures from someplace around the world. Uh, he's, he starts talking. In other words, you make contact. You make a contact. You make a contact where they're at, not where you're at. Mm-hmm. Where they're at. They start talking once they talk no matter what they say they're trapped <laughs> they are trapped okay. because i know you know the holy what jesus says the holy spirit gives it to whatever to say
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay? and i say gee i hope you get a good picture mm-hmm. no he's not going to spit in your eye <laughs> right you got him right and we start talking He not talking he says oh he says you seem to know something about these things, so he responds to me. Now he's identifying me. Mm-hmm. He says, "You're not your son." I says, "I tip t- t- my hat." I says, "Look at this face. It's ugly, isn't it?" <laughs> well, not too ugly. They always do. <laughs> too ugly? Well, you can't see my brain. <laughs> I got a beautiful brain. <laughs> I says, "Like yours." Mm-hmm. I says, I know you. He says, you know me? Yeah, I know you. There are people who listen to you when you're telling the truth and they won't believe you, but if you lie, they'll believe you. Now, Mm -hmm. something's wrong with their brain, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you got a beautiful brain because you're thinking straight. Mm -hmm. Does anybody who thinks about himself always thinks he's right. Mm -hmm. See? So... Yeah. This guy is trapped. He starts to engage in conversation. Before you know it, he says, gee, he says, you, you, you learned you learned a lot. I said, well, it's right here in this Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here, you know, I don't do it immediately. Sometimes I do it never.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have to. And in the end, I'm telling him, he's listening and listening. He, doesn't, he forgets about his camera. He's not doing his job. Right. It happens with nurses. I talked to a nurse, and she—they they, got to come in and say, "Hey, you got another client. You got another patient to her. Uh-huh. They're listening. Once a person starts to listen, notice what happens. Who was listening when Jesus got to Mary Magdalene? Who was listening to him? He was not even speaking. He was putting his finger in the dirt. Uh-huh. But those guys who were gonna. Stoner, were down looking and seeing what he was writing. And who was listening? Mary Magdalene was cringing there, ready to be stoned. But she's listening. He says, and the Lord has to tell her, Mary, is there no one here accusing you? And I, who really know you, I'm not going to accuse you. Ah, mercy. You see? She got the message. She got the message so clear. She went to the cross, even to be, she could be crucified with him. She was spit on at the cross. She stood with the Virgin Mary. Oh, they could respect her, but would they respect the prostitute? The Pharisees still didn't, didn't respect her even after she was healed? See? See the difference? Yeah. So that when you begin to relate to people and they respond to you, what happens? They want, to keep in con- they want to keep in contact. You've made contact. Now they want to keep in contact and I want to keep in contact. He says, oh, can I know more about this? I'll open up that scripture like de Mina. Just read a line. Just like the, the monk did to St. Francis of Assisi at Port Juncker. Read a line. We open it up. Here's my book. I'll do do it right now. Anywhere. Read a line. Read a line. Jesus' method of announcing scriptural truth with prophetic authority without quoting past rabbinical tradition for corroboration. He got it from his father. He got it from his own heart. See? And if I, I tell the guy, open up. Are you willing to open up and just put your finger and just get a line from the scripture, from my book, the book that I wrote here, because it's Lectio Divina? And they'll read it and say, wow, they're hit. Even if it's a negative, they, they're hit. Don't worry about the negatives. As they say, <laughs> you're, you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and they read that believe me it hits them <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: it doesn't matter what they read uh-huh. it's the word of God right. see so that's what I'm saying to people they're afraid to witness they'll witness about people they like they'll talk about their children they'll talk about their a guy at a football game who got a touchdown was afraid to talk about Jesus uh-huh. which means they don't really know him They don't really love him. They don't want to pass him on. But I know that I'm nobody, that he's everybody. Mm -hmm. And I don't do it right all the time either. Mm -hmm. But when I do, I say, Lord, forgive me. I muffed it. Right. Yeah. I muffed it. Mm -hmm. See? And so and so I have the last part of this poem here. I'm thankful for my total dependence on you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. And you have the glory. You have the glory. That's important. Mm -hmm. They're going to forget me. Mm -hmm. Who knows my name? Who's going to read my book? Doesn't matter. St. Lawrence of Brindisi, whose feast day I think is the 23rd. Or tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Lawrence of Brindisi for 300 years they couldn't decipher what he wrote mm-hmm. and when they finally did they declared him doctor to the church right. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. see and yet I used his book when I was talking to Lutherans because he did a spe- he had a special ministry to the Lutherans mm-hmm. okay. okay and by the way I took as my patron St. Benedict, Benedict of Brindisi Brindisi of Rubino, who was his assistant, who was the highest, he was royal blood, Mm -hmm. Benedict of Brindisi, Mm -hmm. whose only prayer was to become a Capuchin, was, Lord, don't give me glory.
0: Mm -hmm. Love it. I love that. So good.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very
0: much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for for, sharing. for your
1: patience.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. thank you for your patience. For sure, I am so glad we got to do this um, for uh, an actual live stream for like a TV segment um, in, instead of just a radio interview. Because it's good to actually see uh, see you and and to talk to you this way. I, I know it right. would be better in person, but uh, at least I'm I'm glad I got to see you this way. So. Uh, thank you so much for uh sharing your stories and and all the insights that you have and yeah this will uh, be recorded here um and yeah posted so uh thank you so much and um I I will pray for you and please pray for me. Okay,
1: absolutely. Thank, thank I you. Tell you. The other story I was going to give I won't say what it is but it deals with the Buddhists. Uh-huh. and two of them died for me. Oh, wow! I don't even know their names hmm. yeah,
0: that's crazy so yeah well we will we will pray for them too um yeah hope hope everybody staying safe during the coronavirus time and uh, don't
1: mention that, please it's culture
0: you stay in I don't want to hear
1: it anymore
2: <laughs> I, worked right, a, I, I, I work in I work with
1: that look, I work with lepers. I work with lepers, and no one, not even the missionaries, took anything to protect themselves from leprosy. Right. I was there, and I'm still living.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Rami, and we will sign off now and keep you in our prayers. Thank you so much.
1: God bless you, and thank you.
0: Thanks. Brother. All right.
1: Hello, God's beloved.
0: I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul, and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for then sings my soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. To a production of WCAT Radio.
2: Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget. Love lifts up. Where knowledge takes flight.